My name is Jessica Knight, and this is the Relationship Recovery Podcast. Thank you for being here with me today. And I'm going to continue down the path of signs of narcissism or how narcissism or abuse presents itself. The purpose of doing that, this, as I mentioned in the past two episodes, is to help people validate their experience. I have certainly found myself you know, deep diving on some of these podcasts to try and understand these patterns of behavior. And my hope is that this will speak to the people who need to hear it the most. And today I'm going to go through five signs of narcissism um, to kind of continue on this path. And I hope it's helpful. So if you've been listening to the last few, you know that I'll explain a sign and then I will go through an example um, if I if there is one. But I really am just trying to kind of explain the behavior and what that looks like. So the first one I'm going to start with is how, how they attempt to sabotage you in areas where they're they know that you are flourishing. And so it can be through creating chaos before a major job interview, ruining a celebration, causing chaos at your work. Toxic people are always on the lookout for how they can prevent you from achieving a level of success and joy that could threaten or overtake their power over you. You may notice that the toxic person in your life may send a specific text or an email around times that like they're they're your you know it's like your moment and and if you're somebody who um is parallel parenting or co-parenting with somebody you may notice that like when that person has the kid they may choose to kind of email you during those times toxic things because they know that it will trigger you because you don't have your child and you're likely trying to you know, have space away from the child, like have space for your life in that moment. But once you become aware of it, it actually does lose loosen its weight. You know, instead of wondering why is this person doing this, how could they possibly do this, it's more so like, okay, here it goes again. But it also could help you set some boundaries around not allowing those people in those spaces. You know, and something I had to become very aware of is that I had to stop inviting my toxic partners to moments that really mattered to me so if I was celebrating something you know I or if I was getting recognized I typically didn't want to share it I didn't want them there I wanted to just have it for myself so that I was able to enjoy it in my own little container that's obviously not what I would want to choose for my life and that's something that I had to kind of face and think about of like okay if this is what I'm doing, do is this what I want to choose, right? Like what I want to choose to always have success in privacy? No. But if you are looking for ways to protect yourself and protect your joy, especially if you're still in the relationship, it could be a really helpful tactic because the narcissist or the abuser will make it all about them. The next one I want to talk about is name calling and verbal abuse. These are ways to control your behavior. 
Toxic people know that if they repeat something long enough, you'll start to internalize it and believe it about yourself. Verbal abuse acts as a portal to erode your identity and your self-esteem. Verbal abuse can come in many forms. It can be in name calling. It could be in telling you how you feel. It could be in telling you what you think. It could be in yelling at you. Um, when people call you names, they're trying to demean you. I would even say verbal abuse is when somebody just pretends to know your intentions even though you haven't expressed them and continues to tell you what they are. So even if like you're coming from a good place and they're just like, no, you, no you're not, that's disgusting. I would frame that as verbal abuse as well. And so verbal abuse is one of the hardest things to begin to walk away from and to begin to separate yourself from because very often you're being yelled at and you're unable to look at it and just be like, okay, those are words and those words are not true and those words hurt. Most often you're like, why is this person saying this to me? Why is this person treating me this way? And so if you are dealing with an emotionally abusive situation, it will be really important for you to begin to try and right size what you think about yourself and what you think about a certain moment. But if you are dealing with somebody who is, you know, a narcissist in your life and they could be a family member, a friend, if they are a partner, you may want to realize that like a lot of those the words are projections. Everything's a projection. And when you're dealing with a narcissist, every single thing is projection. And so when they're saying those things, you it's it's coming from their own shame and insecurity. And it's really to kind of bring you down to their shameful level. You don't have to take it. Like I said, it's very it's extremely hard. But to remember that if I guess like if if it offers you any freedom, it could be the verbal abuse is, attempt, is an attempt to control me, and I don't want to be controlled. This actually leads right into the next one, which is they attempt to micromanage your life. And they may try and control where you go, where you see. They may try and place undue pressures or demands to take up your time so that you're unable to pursue the dreams or support networks that they know are outside of their psychological jurisdiction. I had a partner once tell me I was going to too much therapy. And I was like, well, I don't really think that that's your, I don't think you have a right to tell me like what is working for me and what's not. Same partner used to tell me that I don't have a release. Be like, you don't have a release at night. And I'd be like, I work at night. I have a child, like I have a five-year-old. I run around all day with said five-year-old and I work when she's at school and then at night. And it would be like, no, you need a release. You need to calm down. I always felt like that was his way of micromanaging me so that he didn't feel shame because he was quite lazy, you know, when it came to some of those things or some of those aspects of life. Like, he wasn't the type of person to stay up working without feeling like he was owed something, whereas this is a choice for me. It always has been. I mean, and I love the work that I do. So just... I mean, and I, I mean, I probably could go through example after example after example, but I feel like there was a lot of ways in which, um, like those small things, you start to feel like if you don't do those things, you're upsetting them. They'll probably tell you that you're upsetting them. They'll probably give you the unsolicited advice that you don't even want. But it is another way to control. 
And it's important just to become aware of it. Become, become aware of the things that they want you to do and what you actually want to do for yourself. The next one I want to touch on is about taking over your finances. It's not just finances. It really is about like finances, career, and a portion of what you earn that's yours. They, a narcissist is very threatened by an independent individual because toxic people require that their victims be isolated from excess, success, economic empowerment, or even a solid support network. It all threatens their ability to take reins about the part of the part of your life when you deserve to have stability and self-actualization. And so I see this a lot when, I mean, this is very related to the first one that I said, you know, like your own success and your own worth becomes threatened, right? So like you, you may feel proud of yourself. You may feel in control. You may feel financially stable. You may feel worthy. All of those things are really triggering to the toxic person, especially if they don't feel that, right? And so you're so much harder to control when you are independent. And so a toxic person will really try and shake that. I am an extremely hard person to shake when it comes to this. Like I really, I really stand firm in my individuality, but also my independence. And I, and I can name, there's, there's very specific examples that I actually want to give that if you want to email me, um, I'll share a little bit more with you, Jessica, jessicanightcoaching.com. But because I am in a, uh, this is so hard to like talk about, which a lot of you will understand. Um, because I am in a co-parenting or parallel parenting relationship, I don't want to talk about it in too much detail. But basically, like my part ex-partner tends to think that like I should pay for everything for the child instead of there should be a joint or a shared commitment, and. That's all I'm going to say on that, but that's an example of like how people start to pressure, you know, or put unnecessary pressure on things like this because it all has to do with their own shame. When in reality, everybody has access to the same resources. And same potential. But this brings to the last one. They, they will compete with you rather than celebrate your accomplishments. At first, toxic individuals may exhibit very starry-eyed admiration of your achievements. But these achievements come under extreme scrutiny as they work to use them for their own agenda or diminish them in a way to, uh, to feel superior. I can't tell you how much like love I was showered in in the beginning of my last relationship when it came to the work that I did. It was like, oh my God, that's so awesome. Like, you know, you're really helping people and you're 
independent and then it very quickly would be like you know like what do you even like it was just always talking down to what I did it was minimizing it if I had a good like if I had like a great day where I felt like I made like a huge impact or even a great call I remember one time um I got off like my calls for the day and I every single call was on dating that day and I was like I just felt so good with the way and the progress that almost every client made I was like I was very much in the groove and I said I said something like just changing the world you know one date at a time or something like that and he was like really the world I remember just feeling so low in that moment instead of being like yes you fucking are it was really and it's going to be really hard for you if you are in a relationship like this to wonder what happens like a lot of people say that they're like I don't know what happened it used to be they used to really appreciate me they used to honor my work they used to be excited by my work they used to think that I was great and then things change you have to remember that a lot of this goes through the love bombing phase in the beginning where everything about you is amazing everything you do is great and then over time it begins to dwindle a bit because they can't keep that up. Their level of shame can't keep up praising you. You can't, if you have too much self-esteem, you can't be controlled. So with all of these that I mentioned today, the micromanaging, the name calling, sabotaging, you really need to look back and just say, okay, what do I think about me? What do I think about me? What do I know about me? What does my best friend know about me? What would my oldest friend say about me? Does this person have my best interests in mind? Whether or not you choose to leave the relationship or not, you still can come back to yourself and ask yourself, what do I need? What do I think? It might be really hard. But it is possible with all of these areas. And this is something that I work a lot with my clients on in coaching. I hope this was helpful. If you have any questions or feedback, you can always email me at jessica at jessicanightcoaching.com. My website is jessicanightcoaching.com. And thank you for being here. I will see you soon. <laughs>